Uh, this morning, uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, continuing along in our series about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the implications of what He has done for us and us finding our place uh, before Him, uh, humble before Him. Uh, a bunch of years ago, I guess about 10, uh, there was a, a time where uh, celebrities were wearing these hats uh, that said, Jesus is my homeboy. And I remember uh, it becoming kind of a thing, and uh, even kids at the middle school here uh, were wearing these hats. Um, the problem with these hats is, uh, there's a lot of problems with them, but j- just the idea that you know, a lot of times uh, we always want to think of Hollywood as not being as bad as it is. And so when they mention Jesus, we get all excited. You know, maybe there's someone who has an affection and affinity for Jesus Christ in, in Hollywood. Wouldn't that be great? And yet uh, many of these celebrities uh, were living filthy lives and not just living filthy lives, but promoting it. Uh, but they were wearing these hats that said, Jesus is my homeboy, meaning uh, this idea that uh, we're just, we're buds. We, we do what we do, and Jesus is right there with us, and we like him just as much as we like every, and he's kind of my homeboy. Um, that's one perspective on who Jesus is. There's also a perspective that many of us may struggle with, that Jesus is the all-powerful God who hates me forever because of what I've done. The guilt and shame of, uh, of what we've done, that God would never take me, that there would never be uh, a relationship that I could have with the Jesus of the Bible because of what I've done. What we are talking about in our series is we're trying to understand uh, who the Lord Jesus Christ is, who he is that we might see how that affects and out of that relationship, how that moves into all other areas of our lives and helps us navigate uh, this world that we live in now. And so um, with that in mind, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. If you'd turn there, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'd like to read to you chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. God's word says this, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good, with good, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters do the same, uh, do the same to them, And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. (coughs) Finally, brothers, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. God, thank you for your word. Help us to honor it. Help us to understand it clearly now. And I, I pray that you would transform it, uh, it, transform us through it as we understand better uh, your plan for us and your love for us. God, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Seated. As we uh, uh, look at God's word today, last week, Caleb shared uh, for us from a Philippians chapter 2 and a picture of the humility of man in light of who Jesus is and really culminating in the end of time where uh, all will acknowledge some uh, in kind of a defiant, rebellious hatred that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then for those who follow after him, have already acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord and it will be their song and battle cry for eternity, who Jesus is and was and uh, his eternal place for them and them in relationship with him. The previous week, I talked about uh, Jesus being the Lord of creation and that he created us in the image and likeness of God. This was the intention of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is that we would be in the image of God and that we would be created distinct, male and female. And then next week, Brandon's going to preach a great message on the attributes of our Lord, just kind of helping us get to know Jesus better and really uh, cementing that in our minds and hearts, who we are in relationship with. This morning, this is the passage I'm, I'm looking at, and we are going to look at uh, really the relationship that we have with our Lord that it's so significant that it makes all other relationships second, but also gives all other relationships uh, instruction on how we are to live and strength to do it. And so we're going to look at that this morning. I, I wanted to preach more than this, but I felt like it unwise. But if you look back, uh, you just turn a page back to chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, you see that it says, wives and husbands. And that's an extended section, right? And uh, just because it is the, the special relationship, sorry for my voice, um, the special relationship that God has made uh, between man and woman, but also uh, the picture that he has given us of Christ and the church. Um, and so important as you, as you think about your marriage this is a passage, really a, a central passage in the Bible of what it's supposed to look like. But I, I want to point something out that it is not uh, be better, be better. Um, it's not build back better either. But anyways, uh, be better, be better. As I say that, uh, there was a great uh, commentary series that a pastor wrote uh, many years ago. It was called the B series, and he took each... Uh, commentary, and he had a different title, Be Truthful, Be Helpful, Be, uh, you know, the, these different Bs. Of, uh, and it was a great uh, commentary series. It was a terrible title, terrible title, because we are not to be something. We, we are not to muster up within ourselves and be better. Um, this is not what this passage is talking about. And it's very important for us to get that. What we're going to see today is that all relationships 
first of all, are second. All relationships are second. There's nothing uh, that, that uh, should compete with the number one relationship. And that's the relationship that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and not just that, but that all of our other relationships, because of our relationship with the Lord, are in the Lord. They're surrounded by our relationship with Him. I'm going to show it to you, but I, just trust me. If you want to look at it, you'll find it in the wives and husbands. Well, let's go to chapter 6, verse 1, starting out with children. And they are paired up, right? Husbands and wives, children and parents, bond servants and masters. And then we'll get to verses 10 and 11. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Uh, for this is a commandment, uh, the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children in the Lord. Now, the, the picture here is this, that even as I hope for the children that we have here, that they would come to faith early in life. In childlike faith, they would come understanding their sinfulness, their need for a Savior, and that the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ, and to come into relationship with Him. And so in that, Paul says to us and to children in this Children relationship, there is a sense of obedience early and then honor later, okay? Uh, really honor for a lifetime. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. That's the command. Children are to obey and honor their father and mother. Uh, the honoring the father and mother really comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, and it, it's connected to what God had put in place back then continuing on into the New Testament. Why does it say children obey your parents? Because your kids are born rebellious, crazy kids, right? Um, they're, they're, they're born with this desire not to obey their parents, not to listen to God, but a rebellion that says, I want to do my own thing. Can I get a testimony about that? Can anyone share, you know? Um, if we had better memories, we'd be talking about ourselves, but it's easier to see it in our kids. Um, sometimes a little fuzzy in grandparents, but sometimes you grandparents, you need to admit it, right? Um, the little sinners that come over, they're so cute until they're not, right? Um, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, th that's the call. Children, because of their bent... And because of their humanity, their human connection with Adam, the, the uh, original sinner, right? The original sinner, his, our, their connection with him, what is their bent towards? Their bent is that they want to be their own Lord or God. They say, I want to do it on my own. I want to do it in my own way. Remember a couple weeks ago, I shared with you this issue of Lord, that there are three are really options for you to consider Lord. It can be the Lord Jesus Christ, the real one, or it can be someone else. It can be your boss, coach, government, husband, wife. Like, like it could be someone else that you give that place as Lord, 
Or lastly, and probably most common, it can be you, right? I'll do what I want. How do I make decisions? When I come to the fork in the road, I ask myself, I have a a staff meeting with myself, and I say, self, what do you want to do? How do you want to take this? Where do you want to go? And you decide, this is what I want to do. And then you do what you want to do. That's you being at the Lord position of your own life. Those are really your three options. And that's true in the heart of a child as well. But know this, that children, and we teach this here. You should teach it at home. Uh, You can preach this to your kids even as you go home today. You say, you want to know what Pastor Kevin said in big church today? Let's learn how to read today. And then you open up the scriptures. What is that? Uh, sound it out. <laughs> children. Oh, that's me. Yeah, yeah. The children. Sound it out. Obey. What's that word obey mean? It means you listen to me. When I tell you to do something, you do it. Um, why is this important? Why is this what we should do? Why is this what a child and even an adult child, as they think of honoring their father and mother, why should this happen? Why? It doesn't say, children, obey your parents because they're always right. It doesn't say that. You know why it doesn't say that? Because it's not true. Not true. We have treated our children wrongly. I say that as a father. I, I, you know, we've, we've been too harsh when we should have been compassionate. We've ignored them when we should have disciplined them. We've loved ourselves when we should have loved them, right? Children, obey your parents. It's not just because they're the parents. It says, honor your father and mother. Does it say, honor your father and mother because they're honorable? Parents have not acted honorable. There have been failures that are are clear and, and they're not in dispute, right? And kids see it. But why is is a child supposed to obey their parents? Why is a son or daughter supposed to honor their father and mother? Why? And how? In the Lord. In the Lord. Out of a child's relationship with Christ, in a uh, childlike faith, they're supposed to say, I'm going to obey mom and dad because... God wants me to, because Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to honor my father and mother, um, because God has said this in his word. And interestingly enough, in verse 3, it says, that it may go well with you, and it's good for you, and that you may live long in the land. As God's people in the Old Testament, they, they always thought about the promised land and how it would go with them. And he says, yeah, this is one of those things that for good living in the land, good life for you, is that you honor your father and mother. How do you do it? In the Lord. Get it. This is very important. It's not being a good kid. It's not being a good son or daughter and and doing what's right. It's out of your relationship with Jesus that you now have a relationship with your parents. It's not contingent upon who they are and what they're doing. It's that you love Jesus, and that's why you're going to obey your mom and dad. 
Because you love Jesus, you're going to honor your father and mother. You're going to do, and, and this is good for you. This is God's good plan for you. In salvation, in Christ, we are now children in the Lord. Moving down to verse 4. Discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, if you think about it, uh, provoking your children to anger, uh, how do we do that? How do we do that? Some of us are better at it than others, right? It comes naturally. I know that... Um, most every, I think every child, I don't know this. I didn't take a poll or anything. I'm just guessing. Um, every child, when they're small and they feel like there's an injustice happening, uh, their parents are being unjust to them. They say in the back of their mind, sometimes they say it out loud, and that's not good for them either. But if they say in their mind, when I get to be the mom and the dad, things are going to be different. And I'm going to have a bunch of kids that I can boss around just like my mom and dad are doing to me right now. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be in charge. But what does it say? Fathers, uh, do not provoke your children to anger. The the word fathers there is the the plural of parent. So it's probably parents or fathers and mothers. The, The picture here is those who God has placed in charge of the family. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger, meaning the things that you say and the things that you do should not bring a sinful anger onto your child, either in frustration or bursting out in anger. And so I just want to say parenting 101 here is this. When your child is acting up, when they're angry, you should ask the question, have I said something or done something to bring out sinful anger in my child? Have I, has, has my sin, my selfishness and pride, somehow brought about or tempted my child to act out sinfully? We should do this. The, the command here for us as fathers, parents, It's to not provoke or to stir up or to prod our children to anger. We should not be the agitators of frustration that brings sin to our kids' lives. And, you know, let me count the ways, right? Many ways we can do this. The things that we say, by the you know, the things that we let them do, and then it's their life is frustrating because we haven't trained them properly. You think of all the, the times that you were unkind with your words and agitated. These are all examples of parents provoking their children to anger. And so you should ask the question. I want to say this, too. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. Um, some of you who are homeschool parents, you know the problem with homeschooling? You, you, you never have anyone to blame, Right? If you send your kids to the godless uh, public schools, when they come home, you go, oh, where'd you learn that? Oh, it must have been those awful demons at school, right? What happens when your homeschool kids are like, oh, yeah, ah, huh. 
that's either them or it's me. That's the only options here, right? It's their problem or my problem or a little bit of both, right? I'm just joking about the homeschool thing. Uh, it all comes from our father, Adam. That's what the scriptures say. Anyways, know this, know this, that, that for us as God's people, we have to ask the question as parents, did I do this? Am I the one who trained him in this? Am I the one who has said something? Am I the one that's agitating in some way to lead them to sin? And I'd say this too. It's not always you. It's not always you. It could be them. Or like I said, it could be a combo of both. Just make sure that you know as a father or parent that you have a responsibility and uh, instruction in the Lord to train. Look, look at what it says. It says, don't provoke your children to anger. Many times in Scripture, look for these things where it says, this is not what it is to know God. This is what it is to know God. This is the behavior to take off. This is the behavior to put on. This is part of the old life. This is the new life. And sometimes that's hard to figure out. I know that many of us have lived very sinful lives, selfish and pride driven, anything. And we've come from a long line of people who have lived like that. And we, sometimes we say, it just seems natural to me. I don't get it. Go to the scripture. That's why God has spoken to us. But what is it? The, the thing that we're to put off, provoke your children to anger. Don't do that. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, of the Lord. Um, get the picture here, is that as God's people, changed by the gospel, part of the church, that our parenting is out of our relationship with Jesus. Because he's the Lord, now he gets his way in our parenting. I want to encourage you not to have a philosophy of parenting. To not have a philosophy on parenting. To be looking to Jesus for every parent move that you do. To be in constant communication and thinking through, what does Jesus want me to do? How does the Lord of me want to, me to instruct and guide my children? It's interesting. How does he want to do that? Uh, it's He wants to lead... To, for you to discipline and instruct them in a way that leads them to the same Lord that you have and the desires, uh, his desires for them in their lives. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But the Lord would have his way in their life. Now, I just want to tell you, sometimes, sometimes your kids will be agitated by the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They would prefer you do the, the free ranger thing, right? Eh, just do whatever you want, you know? Um, by the way, I, I say free range. What happens if you free range chickens in Bear Valley Springs? They're food, right? How many of you have had little kitties that have been around for a while and then they were just gone? That's what happens. You know, free-ranging isn't a good idea. Your most precious possessions, your kids, free-range isn't a good idea. 
Um, discipline and instruction of the Lord. I, I want to encourage you as parents that what goes on in your home isn't let them do whatever they want. It's not you uh, beating them into submission and, and running a tight ship and getting what you want. It is not that. In fact, it has nothing to do with that. Nothing. This idea that you, you're offended, this isn't going to happen in my house. You're not going to do that. You know, it's my family name. You're not going to bring that shame to my family. It's not coming back to me. That is not our motivation. What is our motivation as parents? Our relationship with Christ. Jesus, what do you want me to have for my kids? How, how does that work out? It's not about me getting angry and provoking them. It's not about me, you know, getting my way. It is about me getting them and trusting them and, and training them in such a way because I'm a steward, because everything comes out of my relationship with Christ is, is me uh, in setting them up that they too would follow after Jesus. They would know who he is, that the discipline I would have would be ones that would be shaping them uh, to be a, a product that would follow after Christ. I know that we cannot ensure those things. But know this, that we have a job to do today. And maybe your job's over. Then pray for your kids, right? Pray for your adult children, uh, that they might have this heart as well, that they might have a strong relationship with Jesus, that they, as God should bless, be able to impart to them that which Christ would desire. Third group, bond servants or servants. And I'd say it like this, as to the Lord. Verse 5, uh, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. He says, obey, obey your earthly masters. Uh, this word bondservant, uh, probably a better translation is slave. I know that's, uh, it's got a lot of baggage here in our country. But know this, that I read as a study of the scriptures that probably up to 70%, maybe higher of all people in biblical times were slaves. They had some kind of slave relationship both professionals as well as uh, just regular house servants. And, and the picture here is that he is instructing those who are bond servants how to be a bond servant, how to be a slave. Um, for us, not the same thing, not the same thing, but has some principles for us as employees, uh, as someone who has a boss. It's interesting, some of you here have work in a company where you're at the bottom of the ladder and everyone's your boss, right? And, and you know that relationship. You, you realize that everyone is your boss. So what do you feel like when your boss shows up? What do you feel like? Uh, you know, maybe your boss has an office, big office, top floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you feel like? What do you feel like when you have a boss? How do you feel about your boss? You know, there's, there's different ways to think about your boss. You might hate them, you know. You might hate the way they lead, and so you, every time you see your boss, you go to the other part of the job and try to avoid them. 
Or maybe some of you, uh, when you see your boss, you go, man, I better get busy. Better make it look like things are happening. I got to make some dust right now. Make it look like I'm not loafing. Are they gone yet? Okay, back to normal. <laughs> you know, uh, back to loafing. You realize that the boss uh, master relationship or the, the employee boss relationship is one uh, of fear and trembling. Fear and trembling for what? Right? Well, what are you afraid of when you have a boss? Getting fired. Getting fired. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'll just confess to you I got fired once. I got fired. Um, he didn't use the word fired, but at the end of the day, I was going, oh, so I don't have a job here anymore. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I've just been fired. Um, but uh, you, you realize that that's a motivation for you, right? The boss is here. Uh, I, I want to impress the boss. I want him to think of me as valuable, even if I'm not. Uh, I want to uh, have that. I, I fear that he would have a bad opinion of me. Um, it, it says that there's a fear and trembling with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. We'll give, come back to that. But verse 6 not uh, by way of eye service as people pleasers. The idea of people seeing you, the people um, that you're trying to please would go, oh, I really like you. And you're like, ah, I showed them that I'm great. You know, I, I'm a people pleaser. They saw what I was doing. There's really a second thing that uh, most employees have over their head is the benefit, right? Uh, you know, slaves, slaves would get food, they're bad slaves, maybe the food would be taken away. Maybe there would be punishment to come. If you look at verse 7, it says, rendering service with a, a good will as to the Lord, not to men. Verse, verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. Receive back for an employee. Why do employees go to work? For Friday, payday, to get the check. To get the electronic deposit that is deposited in your bank account, right? Um, it's the first or the 15th or whatever that day is for you, right? That's why you go to work. And, and the fear comes in as, what if I do a bad job and then they don't pay me? So sometimes there's a fear going on there between employees and masters, but listen to this. This, is so, this would be so different for us if we saw life like this. Slaves or bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. The lordship relationship of Christ, he says, treat them as Lord. Treat your boss in such a way as you would Christ. He, he, he says... The, the sincerity of heart comes in there. Verse 6, not faking it or, or, or playing a game, but as bondservants or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The, the picture here is we're not faking it. We're serving Christ. We're doing the will of God. We're working as to the Lord, knowing that the reward or the payment is from the Lord, not from our boss. He ends up this argument, and he says, whether he is a bondservant or is free, it doesn't matter. So, so listen, we should be working. We should be working as slaves. We should be working 
knowing that Jesus is our boss. He's the Lord. And so uh, we will have earthly bosses, but for us to be even seeing through them to the real boss, who is Jesus, that we work that way. I I was thinking about this. Um, This is a common question. So do you like your boss? Do you like your boss? And sometimes you would say, yeah, I love my boss. Other times you go, man, thank you for asking. I got some complaints I want to register and nobody's wanting to hear it. And you just offered to listen to me for the next 45 minutes as I complain about my boss. I want to tell you, and I, I, I don't suggest maybe that you even say this. Maybe it sounds too self-righteous and probably is. But um, when somebody asks you do, you, do you like your boss? You should at least say to yourself, I love my boss. I love him. He's the best boss in the whole universe. I work for Jesus, and I love him. He's done so much for me, and he's provided me this job. I love, I love my boss. The middle managers, yeah, not so much. But, but I can deal with them because I love my boss. I love my boss. So the other side of that, verse 9, a ma- masters who have a master. Verse 9, masters... Do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. As you go to the other side, there's masters. And and the picture here is this, that masters, how, how do masters or bosses see themselves? Well, they have the big corner office on the top floor the balcony. They have the, the nicer company car, right? They have the bigger paycheck. And, and as they see their workers, they see them as being there to serve them, right? I hired you to make me money and make my life good. I'm the boss, you're the worker. He starts out and he says, do the same to them, meaning connecting to the bond servants. He says, you need to work as to the Lord. That's what a master is supposed to do, is to work as to the Lord, not to people please or whatever else. Do the same. And he says, and stop your threatening. Stop your threatening. I want to just stop here just for a moment and go, um, what are the ways of motivation? What are the two ways of motivation? There's actually a better one, but the two that everyone talks about are a carrot and a stick. The carrot is motivating, hey, you get to eat. I will give you a carrot if you, if you work hard. Oh, great, I love carrots. Thanks for the carrot. I will work hard. Um, the second method of motivation is the stick. If you don't work hard, I will beat you with the stick. This, I, I want to tell you, this is the favorite method of motivation in the workplace. It's threatening. If you don't work hard, if you don't do what I told you to do, you're going to get fired. You're going to get fined. You're going to get placed in a bad place. Like, like there's, there's threatening. That, that is a motivation uh, of, is a leadership motivation. This is what you do. 
God says through his word to, in the book of Ephesians, right? In the book of Ephesians, to believers who are part of the church that as a master, as a boss, this isn't the way, this isn't the tool that we use. He says, stop your threatening. He doesn't just say, be not threatening. He says, I want to tell you why. Why? How does this come out of this relationship? Listen, he says, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. See, we uh, partiality is one of those things where we see people as different, higher and lower. We see that. And, and we see it all the time, right? Um, we see it in age groups, as they look at one another, they see, oh, you're just a kid, or you're just an old person, a boomer. Uh, you, you see distinctions in economic status, so you drive this car, you don't, you don't drive this car, like this is a big deal. We see distinctions there. Uh, we see it in celebrity status. Most of us have met a celebrity, and we go, oh, do you know who that is? I was in Walmart the other day, and there was this, no, there wasn't any celebrities in Walmart, I guarantee it. But um, the, so we see people as different. See, we see people as different. And the master has a tendency to see his slaves, boss, employee. They see a distinction there. I'm the boss, you're the employee. I'm above you. He says, don't do that. Why? Knowing that he is both their, their master and yours. Meaning this, that the master, the Lord over all, is the Lord over the boss and the Lord over the employee. And as we looked at in the book of uh, Genesis, who was created in the image and likeness of God? Everyone. Everyone. And so for the boss, for the master, the the importance is to, to look at all people as people. It's not that they're not the boss. It's not that they won't even fire people at times. But the idea of treating everyone as they were made in the image and likeness of God, that there is a level field, that there is not a hierarchy, at least in God's eyes. And that's important. Once again, God's eyes matter, right? Our relationship with Christ matters. If you are a boss, you remember I, I'm looking to the scriptures. The scripture says, we all have a master. He is my master. He's my Lord. And as I look at people, I realize we are the same. We are the same. The stick is not to be used. Even footing is to be seen and to see people as the Lord sees people as the same. Now, um, just to review. Your marriage relationship. How are you doing with that? Did it come easy to you? You say, you, we didn't go over that. Yeah, I know. Go over it at home. And find the part that is you. If you're a wife, do the wife part. If you're a husband, do the husband part. And go, how am I doing? How about kids? You know, if you're in your parents' home right now, you're living, you can think of yourself as a child. It's not that you're irresponsible and you can't do things, but you're a child. How's your relationship with your parents? Can you obey them? 
for the, the rest of us who are older who have parents, are, are we honoring and respecting them? If you have a job, if you're in a relationship that you have someone over you, uh, how are you doing with that? Are you obeying them as to the Lord? Are you working hard? If you're a boss, how are you motivating your team? Are you choosing to threaten them or manipulate them, or are you seeing them and are even playing with you? You might, you might think about this and you go, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. You don't know my situation at work. Or, or maybe if you're a boss, you, just, you don't know the loafers I, I have working for me. Or maybe, you, you know, you think, you know, pastor, you, you haven't met my kid. And maybe, you know, children are saying, well, you don't know how ornery my mom and dad are. I do, for some of them. I do. I do. Maybe it's in your marriage relationship. You say, hey, hey, if they wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have such a bad attitude about this. It'd be a lot easier for me to be who I'm supposed to be if they would have changed this. But because they did this, I'm justified by doing this. I can't do it. I can't. I want to tell you, I want to remind you that all of this is in the Lord. All of this doesn't come from you. In fact, if you don't get it, um, as, as a transition to the next section, verse 10, I, I titled this fifth point, I can't do it. Verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He doesn't leave you to your own resources. You know why? Because you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. He says, uh, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Don't depend on your own strength. Trust in my strength. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It goes on to a passage talking about the uh, armor of God. Know this, that as you're um, walking with the Lord and as you have relationships based on Jesus and you're trying to work that out and in your weakness, failing all the time, needing to come back to your relationship with Christ and trusting in his strength, as you're doing that, you have an enemy. And we're, for the most part, it was between your weakness and your enemy. It, that's why it makes it hard. Why? Um, because you are not enough, and he is an, uh, um, a strong adversary. But God says, put on my armor, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You should remind yourself, I am weak, he is strong. His armor will make the difference between me standing and me falling. So, these are your options. Option number one, uh, you can make your spouse your supreme ruler. You can care so much about what your parents say that they become gods to you. You can obey your kids. Yikes. Or obey your own fleshly desires. Equally, yikes. Uh, to have your kids perform and, and be up to your standards so that you look good and at the cost of their frustration and their anger towards you and God. As a worker... You can obey your laziness and pride and do as little as you can just to get by. Or you can work hard when people are watching that you might impress them so that you can climb the ladder 
and then back to business as usual when no one is looking. If you're a boss, you can set yourself up above your workers, push them by your own greed for your own greed and benefit, and then treat them as if you were lord over them and that you were the supreme ruler over all. And in all these things, think of yourself as able to perform to perfection, that your thinking is clear and you always know what to do and that you can do it by yourself and for yourself. Or you can say this. In my marriage, I find my role in relationship connected to my salvation and your church. Out of your strength and by your power, I will model as best I can by your strength the relationship of Christ and the church. In my relationship to my parents, I'll obey them because I know that Jesus knows what's best for me and that he's given them to me as imperfect parents for me uh, to be part of his loving plan for me. And with our kids, that we would treat them with care, compassion, and wisdom, knowing that they are gifts and stewardships from the Lord, and he's entrusted them to us. They are not ours to frustrate and do with what we will, but to care for as the Lord would have us do. And with our boss, that that we would work for them and make them money, not fearing them, but fearing the Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has provided for us through this occupation. And with our employees, that we would treat them as people, even with us, remembering that uh, I have to answer to the same Master, Savior, Lord, as they do, and to treat them as such. And everybody else, that I would remember that I have a Lord when I'm dealing with school boards and businesses and coaches and governments and kings and governors and presidents, that I would remember to respect them as men and women who have been made in the image and likeness of God, but not as the Lord. They're not the Lord. I want to encourage you today as you think about the different interactions that you have in this life, co-workers, bosses, corporations, unions, whatever, that you say, they are not the Lord. They are not the Lord, but I work as to the Lord. And out of my relationship with Christ, I will deal with them as Christ wants me to deal with them. I want to remind you, of course, there's a line, right? Of course, there's a line that, that you, no one gets to take the place of your Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have conscience and if you have uh, convictions and scriptures and obedience, I, I want to encourage you, do not cross it for anyone. And at the same time, out of your relationship with Jesus, deal with those people you have and God has in your So we have a Lord over us, the Lord who is supreme, and he's the one that we obey. I just want to say this last thing, and it's good for us. It's good for us. It's good for you to have a Lord. It'd be terrible if you were the Lord. There's proof, isn't there? There's pictures to prove it, right? You remember days, right? There's witnesses that have seen Uh, how you do when you're in charge. I want to remind you that we have a Lord, and this is good for us. 
God, thank you uh, for this morning and being in your word. And may we be encouraged and understand that, that blessing of relationship we have with your son, with you, and how that provides the basis, that lordship relationship provides the basis for all other relationships. Help us not to fool ourselves. Uh, help us not to get lost in um, nationalism and constitutions and rights that we have, but rather that we would be lost in our relationship with you and that we would not seek our own in relationship with husband and wife and with our kids, relationship there, but that we would seek to obey you and honor you. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.